0: Hi everyone and welcome to the CVM Ireland podcast. Here at CVM we are a search and rescue agency seeking to see men's lives transformed through the power of the gospel of Jesus. We help churches all over Ireland and beyond try to achieve this and help us guys as we journey every day in our lives following Jesus. We want to let you enjoy our recordings from our 2019 DNA Men's Conference, which took place in Carmoney. Uh, this happens every year as we gather hundreds of men from all over the island of Ireland and beyond. As we worship, as we lift up the name of Jesus, and as we encounter Him and get the grips with the challenges He lays out to us as men. So sit back, relax, and be blessed. Okay, Spud. Uh, let me pray for you. Let's um, get everyone awake. Um, so let me pray for you um, before this talk, a man of God who's been in my life since I've been in Belfast, and what, a, what an honor it's been to be um, journeying with him. So Lord, we just uh, pray for this man as he comes and he speaks today. Lord, we thank you for the words that you've given him, Lord. We pray for this, this movement of men, standing as men, Lord, that this message is ingrained, engraved even on our hearts, Lord, uh, as we leave, Lord. Um, bless him, um, protect him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thank you for him. Amen. Thanks, bro. Um, there, there, there is a reason why I, I don't make it down to the West as much as what I used to. It's called 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning.
1: <laughs> <coughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I'm where they meet, I live an hour and a half away from. So you just... Figure out how, what time you got to get up at on a Saturday morning going to go and do that. But Roger, where are you? Wherever you are, you guys are amazing. Those guys just relentlessly keep on going. Um, I try. I, I will try and down a bit more. But you just get on with it. It's great. Normally, <laughs> normally it's like you know, unless something's burnt or blew up, it's not an issue, an insurance problem or anything. It's like you guys work away. You're you're brilliant. Um, <clears throat> the uh, this this summer, my family and I have. A <clears throat> Amazing wife, 15 years, we have four kids, one daughter, uh, she's our eldest, and I always say the main reason why I do what I do, because I want to make sure she's a bucket load of godly men to choose from, Mike, when she's old enough to date in the next 20 years or something like that. <laughs> um, then I've got three boys, they're my backup plan, so they will take on any suitor that comes to the front door. And we managed to get a bit of a family break this year. For the first time ever, we got on, a, on an airplane, which is fun and just thought, let's, we just got to get a break. You know, the kids were just going start crazy thought, let's just get the cheapest thing we can find and go and find the sunshine and the swimming pool somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and we got, uh, we got there, and we were a few days in, and there's a number of different pools in the place we were in, the resort. And uh, all the kids were building up to was getting into the massive, big, huge pool. That's all they were thinking about, was, Dad, let's start building up to this. Let's make sure, because they're not that confident swimmers, you know. Um, and they were like, let's just build up to this. So we got to the point where we we're about to take them into the big, huge pool. And um, something happened. I had to go up, the, run up to the hotel room and forgot something. And unbeknownst to me, my wife Elizabeth already took them over because they were quite confident. And this is in a resort with like hundreds of people, uh, music going, people around the pool, everything's going. And I walk out and I can hear uh, my boy, Micah, who's our, our third, number three. He's six years of age over everyone, just screaming, Daddy. Just going, Dad, 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 Dad. And you know the way to go on repeat. It's like, seriously, son, you're an energizer, Buzzy. Bunny, hold it, you know, hold it, I, I can see you. And he had wanted to show me something that he had been able to do without me there. And he had done it with his mum there. And his mum had seen it, do, seen, it do, seen him do it first and had given her That's amazing, Micah. Go for it. That wasn't enough for him. That was not enough for my son. That was not enough for him to rest that night or to leave that area that he was in without knowing that Daddy had his attention, and this is the photo of him that I was able to take in the pool. (laughs) He just wanted to show me what he could do. And all he wanted was my blessing. All he wanted was me to say, son, that's awesome. Let me go out a bit further and jump further. Go deeper. Go harder. Come on, let's get on to the next thing because that's what us dads do. We push forward. We want movement. We want to see them grow. We want to see them expand their territory. And it's a fun and it's a blast if you've had that opportunity and blessing to do that. So with that in mind, And with this crazy fatherlessness stuff that's going on in our culture and our society in a moment, let me bring you to 1 Peter chapter 2 very quickly. Verse 4, it says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Let's jump down to uh, verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Can we pray? I know you've just done this, but can I get you to stand? Just There's one specific prayer I want to pray. <clears throat> I think we need to start with this before we go into what I believe God's calling us out to as a movement, and it's, it's this. Every church I get the blessing and opportunity to speak in where it's a normal Sunday gathering, you have everybody there. You have mums, you have kids, you have the men there too, and I can't but help quiver and my heart break. When you look into a congregation of people like that, and you cannot help but think of the harm that men have done. The abuse, the broken promises, the not showing up at all, the absent father, the cheating husband, the broken vows, And I'm there to say, we need better men, and we have to be better. But can I just say that before that begins, and before we say, let's go and do this, we need a prayer of repentance on behalf of every single man in this island, and every single harm that has come to the vulnerable, to the weak, to the women at the hands of a man. We need to own this. We need to repent of this and stand in the gap. So, Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We ask your forgiveness on behalf of every man in the church, outside the church that has ever wrecked another human being's life, that has ever let our own ambitions get ahead of your plans, that has ever brought harm when you've sought to build up good, that has ever torn down your visions and your values in people and treated them with and looked at them as pieces of objects, Knowing that we are all your, your special possessions. So, as a room full of hundreds of men, we ask your forgiveness, on behalf of every man, Lord. We have to own this. Forgive us for ever looking at your your, your children, uh, the sisters in our lives, the girls in our lives, as pieces of a property. Forgive us for our lustful thoughts. Forgive us of our abusive language. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. There's been many movements in the history of humanity that has formed the world that we know it. The civil rights movement, when the mission, equality rights for African-Americans and the end of segregation. The anti-war movement of the 60s and 70s during the Vietnam War. The women's rights movement, the abolition movement, the end slavery. The resistance against apartheid movement in South Africa. Today we have movements led by 16-year-old schoolgirls calling for action on climate change that have mobilized a generation of children across the whole world in a very short piece of time. In our history, we have needed to see movements rise up to come against and fight evil head-on. One of the largest movements of men the world has ever seen was whenever 156,115 115 Allied troops transported on 10,440 aircraft and 6,939 ships and landing craft, landed on the beaches of Normandy on the 6th of June, 1944, in what was to be remembered as D-Day. This was the beginning of the end of the Second World War and the pivotal point during the largest combined military operation on a single day in history. Think about this, hundreds of thousands of men who are united on one mission and one goal. And it is to defeat evil. It is to set the captives free. It is to break the bondage of slavery and to bring hope into what was the darkest of situations for people in occupied Europe. Men united in one movement. Our church itself was birthed as a movement. It was never birthed as an organization. When Jesus birthed the church as we know it, he takes 12 nobodies, In fact, the Bible refers to them as ordinary, unschooled men. In Northern Irish terms, they were Muppets. But they were united. They had a passion in their heart. They knew who they were in their their own skin as sons of the king. And they have set up what we now know today as a... Just an incredible God's only plan A for the, for the whole world is the local church. And if ever we have needed men to rise up and to take their place, not just in the church, but in our culture and in our community and in our homes and in our workplaces, it's now. It's not just to tick a box that we've been at church on a Sunday and that's it, you're back to your call of duty or the match as Mike says, it's to show up in every single part of our lives as the husbands, the fathers, the sons, the grandfathers. And that doesn't mean, when you hear me refer to, when you hear us refer to the word of a father, the call of a father, whether you've had the blessing or not to be a biological dad or a foster dad or a dad who's adopted, that's besides the point. This is the call, fatherhood is the call of every man. It's for all of us. In fact, I would dare you to think about coming here next year and sponsoring someone from a fatherless home to be here—a teenage boy, a young guy in his twenties in your church who has no father figure except you. Because when people when people think about father, it's their earthly fathers that they refer to. This is where it's broken and this is where we need us as men to get over our own crazy ambitions, get over our own crazy stuff that we're fighting. The fight, the battles that we don't fight and win now, our children will inherit and have to fight. And the enemy will only get larger and greater and the darkness greater unless we can fight the battles that we can fight in our generation now. Here in First Peter I think this is one of the most amazing rallying calls for the church and Peter, as Peter's coming to the end of his, of his life. Sometimes I like to read things like this, listening to Eye of the Tiger, because it just puts me in the right frame of mind. It says, as You come to him, the living stone, which is rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We're not just to be on our own, we are to be together. And in this, Peter's referring to and drawing parallel to what happened in Exodus when the children of Israel were brought out of Israel and set free and find themselves at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 where they talk about how God reminds them in Exodus 19, verses 4 and 6, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you in eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. As Peter's referring to when it comes to this, we are his chosen people, a royal peace God's special possession. He's drawn parallels to this and the audacity to do that. This was one of the most significant Moments in our Bible where the children of Israel arrive at the foot of Mount Sinai, and all of a sudden they have been set free out of bondage. They have entered into a new covenant, into a new agreement with God. They are united at this point with one common goal and one common vision. And what happens? God shows up. The mountain shakes. His glory comes down. In fact, Moses has an encounter with God on the mountain, and he's like, Lord, show me your glory. Let me see it. Let me look into your glory. And God's like, no, you can't do that because you're going to die, but I'll let my glory pass by. And that was all that Moses needed to see, to put him on the path that led him to what he did and and trying to get them to the promised land. That was everything for him. It means that if we have been set free, which we have, if you haven't, now's the time to do it, come to Jesus. When we have been set free, we've been set free from ourselves, we've been set free from uh, money, sex and power, we've been set free from trying to own own our own salvation through religion, that as an individual, we as the local church, when we come together and we are united and we have an agreement and one accord, because glory comes. Because here's the thing. We can do this. You can try and do this on your own. You can try and sit at home and read your Bible. You can try and read it by yourself. You can try and understand it. You can try and figure it out where it all contextually fits in. How this part refers to that part. All of that stuff. You can try and do it on your own. And it's awesome. It's great. But you will only go so far on your own. Here Paul is, or Peter is painting this picture of a body of bricks coming alongside each other. Because when we do this in community, when we do this in our caves, when we do this at 6 a.m. in Five Mile Town, when we do this, we become a, a living movement of God where His glory has to come. And yes, don't get me wrong, when it comes to our worship experiences, it's amazing. I love listening to it. But let me ask you this question Does anything beat what we've experienced today? That wall of noise this morning, that wall of how great I art, that wall of I raise a hallelujah. I can do that on my own. I can do it in my car, I can do it in the office, I can do it around the house. But man, you put me into a room with you guys, I'm blubbering mess. I don't even know how I'm standing here. And something happens. Something moves when we get and we can come and we do this. So don't try and say to me that you're sitting at home doing church or watching a YouTube sermon. That's not church. Because the thing is, you can listen back to this on a podcast whenever we release it. The content's still the same, but the experience, being here where the prayer's being said, where we've done battle in the heavenlies, where we've worshipped and contended for the powers that are being that are around this place to say, we're going to go out and we're going to stand as a movement of men. It doesn't compare to being here. And this is what we need. I'm a huge fan of what these guys do in cave time I I haven't seen a better model for discipleship than men I really haven't because showing up is all what it's all about getting into our word worship, prayer, community brotherhood, accountability and calling each other out on a mission and that as Roger said hit the nail on the head that takes time to build and you can go anywhere with that but when you have that foundation something happens And look at it in Isaiah. I love Isaiah 6, where Isaiah is on his way to the temple. He's on his way to do his thing in his context. He's on his way to do his stuff in the temple, to offer his sacrifices, to do whatever he does. And what happens? In the the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now here's the thing. See, whenever Isaiah has this experience on his way to the temple, did we find Isaiah in the temple every single day after that? Because that was where he had that experience. Far from it. Because what happened is, as it says, the train of the robe filled the temple see, whenever that happens, it explodes out. This isn't just about coming together and having we times on our, with our, our Christian bodies and being able to have times where we just have nice times together. This is about transformation in our culture and our society through reaching and winning men to Jesus. And if you don't believe me, I just have to... Let me read you one quick story because I'm in a Presbyterian church. In 1856, a woman called Mrs. Conville from England came over to Northern Ireland to do evangelism. She went door to door with some of her friends that were here, and she didn't see much fruit. She returns home quite downhearted. And what she didn't realize, that there was one young guy called James McQuilkin, who she had met in his place of work in Ballymena. Now, James worked in Ballymena at the weekend. He went home to Cale's. And when he returned, having found Jesus, he went and he, under the influence of his local Presbyterian minister, the Reverend John Muir, he gathered three recently, conv- uh, for, of three mates of his who had recently came, come to Jesus, Jeremiah McNeil, John Wallace, and Robert Carlyle, to do one thing. I'm going to sum it all up. They got into the cave. <clears throat> they prayed together. They done life together. They contended for their friends in prayer. They read their word. They got, this went on for week after week. And after a couple of months, one of their buddies comes to Jesus. And that's the spark. Just one life transformed for Jesus. Just one guy he comes from darkness into light just one guy who comes to his heavenly father and realizes that he's loved he's accepted through the price that jesus prayed on the cross just one guy and between 1857 and 1860 in the kells revival that would follow because of this over a hundred thousand people in northern ireland came to know jesus as their savior That was whenever our population was 300,000. That's a third of the population of Northern Ireland at one time. That's our history. That's our heritage. That's our legacy that we get to step into. It's revival through men who get together, who pray, who show up, and who reach their unsaved mates. What happened? They saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe fill the temple because when it fills the temple, it bursts out through the seams. I remember very recently, a couple of years ago, um, there's a great buddy of mine, and I'm going to use his real name, but I'm not going to give you a surname. Um, through golf, I had... Uh, uh, Got to meet him, and my mate here, Neil, and I, he won this thing, or he bought this thing where he could play around a golf with Neil and I at Port Stewart, it was more than Neil, I was just there to make everyone look bad. And um, he brought his buddy with him, his name, so my, my friend's name's Mark, and Mark's story is, he's divorced, he's got four kids, sees them every other weekend, he's uh, in his mid-40s, the late 40s, and he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a boy. Mark's just back from a five-day bender in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And when he goes out, he goes out to try and get a girl and he won't settle for anyone unless she's under 25. That's Mark. And all of a sudden, I'm playing golf with him and I'm just thinking, Lord, how on earth do we start to bring your kingdom to this guy right here, right now? How can we start... To take this guy on a journey where we can just try to introduce him to Jesus. And the one thing that really challenged me the most was the week previous to me meeting him. i have been doing a a, a talk. i have been speaking on um, Elijah and the Mount Carmel experience where he takes on the 450 prophets of Baal. And I remember looking at it, reading it, and then all of a sudden being there with Mark. Because here you have a guy who stands up for God in a crazy social issue uh, where nobody's believing who he is. He's standing on his own and all of a sudden it's this whole thing, the battle of who's the right God, God or Baal. And we know what happens. It's it's God who shows up and fire comes down and Elijah prays prays this amazing prayer for God to show up and all the people, because of the fire coming down, say God is God and he's the real God and we're going to worship him. And here's the thing. When you get to meet a guy like Mark, it messes up what you're thinking because all of, all of a sudden I'm thinking is if I tell him this story, I know what he's gonna say. Because he's a bit of an arrogant guy. He'll say to me, Right, Spud, let's go and build an altar. Let's pour some water on it, and you pray. What he would say? I know that's exactly what he would say, wouldn't it be? It'd be like, if God comes down and fire, I'll believe. And it started to mess with the thinking because when we're starting to pray for the people and the men that we want to see come to Jesus, it messes with our heads. We can't think the same. We can't just, like Kirk put on a norm, what we would be a normal quiz night in a church setting where it's like the guys out of the church might come or they may not. When we say, no, we're going to go after the lost, that changes everything. When we say we're intentionally going to go after the lost, broken man, that means their priority, what they like, what they're into, how we get them into the room, that becomes the priority, not what I want. Because here's the thing that God showed me through that Elijah story. There's something that God does now that completely obliterates a fireball from heaven. There's nothing in this world beats a transformed man's heart. When you take a guy who was this way and living his life his own way and comes to Jesus as a completely transformed and all of a sudden everybody around him sees it as an infected by it and their families get saved through that one guy or something like that, that is unbelievably better than a fireball from heaven on an altar. It happened with Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin. They couldn't cast judgment on them because, what does it say? It says they couldn't because all of a sudden they'd seen the man who was absolutely lame at the, temple, at the temple door standing beside him, fully of mind, fully of who he was, standing there transformed. And here's the thing. When we start thinking about what's going to reach these guys, the marks in our world, if you don't have any, get some in your world because it will start to mess with your head. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to chat with my mate Neil over here, and I go, how do we reach these guys? We've done a golf uh, night away. Uh, We made it really, really cheap, but at unbelievable courses, right? And we showed um, the video that we've done uh, with Aaron Badley as our audience of one thing. Um, And Mark brings four of his unsaved mates to it. Now, is it just me, or does that just not make sense? He knows what we're trying to do. A couple of weeks ago, we'd done a golf day. Do you know who brought the most people to that golf day? The fund men's evangelism in Ireland? Mark. He brought 16 guys. 16 guys to fund men's evangelism who could not be the furthest guys away from the church or away from Christianity that you can imagine. And all of a sudden, we're like thinking, right, what's going on, Lord? How can we, what's going on here? And we started to, we've walked with him, we've journeyed with him. I see him, he phones me up nearly every other week because he's asking for prayer for daft, silly things. And then all of a sudden, the phone call came. And I missed call. <clears throat> and I ring him back, and, I, and he's like, "His buddy Jerry, who we've got to know as well, have got to know quite a few of his mates, they're amazing guys, I, I, I think they're brilliant, I can't wait for them to come to Jesus, because it's just going to be the torch, it just goes, pfft. and um, his buddy Jerry goes, Spud Mark not tell you this, but uh, we've just been journeying up the Port Stewart here to play a game, and uh, we've been talking about you and God the whole time, and Neil, and we're talking like, why's like if there's a god, why why is he allowed by bad things to happen? Like and Mark wants to know, where's the dinosaurs fit in and all this? <laughs> it's like well, he won't tell you, but I'll tell you, you know. <laughs> and his buddy Jerry's like he's like, Spud, you don't know this, but all this stuff that you're doing with us, I gave my life to Jesus ten years ago, and I just knew it wasn't good enough to follow it through. Would you be up for getting a chat about this sometime? Mate, they've never been in a church. They don't come to my church or a church that I know of. But what happened is that whenever a couple of guys get together and start praying for their unsaved mates and thinking, Lord, how can you use us? What we're doing is we saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. And it wrecks us, and we're like, Lord, what do we do? I want to see him come to Jesus. I was, um, C.S. Lewis says, the salvation of a single soul is more important than the production, or preservation of all the epics and tragedies in the world. The church exists for nothing else but to draw man to Jesus. And then here we have this audacity of Peter through the Holy Spirit to say that we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are his special possession. Some of the translations are actually, that word special possession actually means special treasure. This is messed with my head all week in preparing for this. Like, you think of all the images that we have seen of the universe, the non-universe. Think of the most beautiful sunset that you've ever seen. Think of your favorite place that you just love to go and just breathe. And the scenery of that and the beauty of that. And here's the God of the universe, our Father in heaven, says, No, you are my special possession. It's you. It's you. Perhaps an, another way of making you, helping you understand this is uh, for the first time ever I had the privilege to go to um, Israel this year for a quick five day leaders thing. <coughs> Travel agent looking for us to take guys trips to Israel or something like that. And um, I'd never been before. Um, Phil, you were there this year too, weren't you? And um, we got to the baptismal site at the River Jordan, and they, on on your way in and your way out, pretty much up to the height of that uh, projector screen, you have these plaques, and it's the same thing. It's Mark 1, verses 7 to 9, and it's the story of Jesus' baptism. And it's flanked down both ways, and this is like for hundreds of yards, and the whole way around the facility. And it's in every language of the, of the known world. Every single language. Gaelic is there, Ulster Scots is there, all the, like everything's there, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and I remember our, our guy was taking us around and it was actually near the water bit where people get baptized and come out. Um, i seen the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it's wrecked me from February this year to the 2nd of November this year. Because when I, I seen it, I was like, this is for you guys. And it's the, you're going to laugh at this. It's the Rastafarian translation. Come, That's it. It's the Rastafarian translation of Mark chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. And we know those words so well, where Jesus came up out of the water, and a voice came from heaven from his Father God, and it said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know when Rastafarian? what they translate that, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased into? <laughs> Such a simple phrase. It says, you're my boy. Come on. And we have a father in heaven like my boy who looks down on you and all your insecurities and all our mess ups and all our stuff that we're refusing to let go of and step into. And he just looks upon you and goes, You're my boy. And I know for some of us who have never known that father love of an earthly father, to go in and open up that wound is so, so hard. But we have got to let him do that. He is the father to the fatherless. He forsook his son that we as his sons would never know what it's like to be forsaken by him. So no matter how much you've been forsaken in this world, we will not be forsaken by Father God. And as a movement of men, we need to stand up. We need to take our ground. We need to hold the ground. We need to fight the battles that God's calling us into. And we need to walk in that true identity that when we walk out of here, you walk out of here with Father God saying to you, you are my boy. Now go further. Jump harder. Go faster. Make that. And the mom, my, my wife was like that day with my kids in the pool. She's like, no, don't do it. Don't go the to two. That's a bit too much, too much. Whereas fathers were like, no, Go. Come on, let's do it, son. You can do this. There's more in you. And here's the thing, I guarantee you that God drops somebody, if not five people, into your heart whenever I told you this story about my buddy Mark. Maybe just one person. What can you do now that says, Lord, rain the heavens and come down? Let the glory of you fall in this place, that you would burst out of this room today and invade our land with an army and a movement of men, as fathers, as sons, that cannot be stopped, knowing that we are his and he is ours. Can we stand? So before we go any further, I say what we do, with everybody's eyes open, and everybody looking around, and everybody watching, if you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus, come home to the Father. prodigal son story is not about the son, it's about a father who runs and embraces his child coming home. So I'm going to invite you to come home. If you've turned your back and your life on Jesus and you've walked away, come home. And that looks very simple like this. I would love you in front of all of these men watching you to come down here and come and shake Big Mike's hand, and he'll pray for you. And when you do it, the rest of these guys are going to cheer you home like never before. And this is gutsy. It's easy to sit, and nobody looking around, you slip a wee hand up. And when you do this, you get a target on your back, you have an enemy coming after you, and this will hit every part of your life, your wallet, your time, your energy, everything. But it's the best decision you can ever have. Anyone who's made that decision, would you agree? So, if you're here in the room and you need to make that decision, I'm going to leave it open. Do it now. We're not going to play any music. We're not going to mess with your mind at all. This is the guys. Come home. fine if nobody comes because we just assume everybody's in. We all know where we're all at. But we've done this for five years now and we've run it as a Christian men's conference and at least one person every year ends up coming to Jesus. So I'm not saying that it has to happen but I'm just saying we always want to leave this open every time. Finally, Will you stand as a movement of men. Will you stand to be commissioned in this place today. We had a word from God about that. Will you stand to be commissioned as a husband, as a father, as a father to the fatherless. Come on home, bro. Best decision you'll ever make. As Mike... This, at this moment and I, I haven't briefed anyone ahead of time about this because I know I just wanted to flow out of them I want to invite uh, John who's, who's the pastor here the minister here sorry <laughs> 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 he laughs because I've been calling him the father of the house for the last couple of days and he has he is that John you are that bro come and join me Phil you're like a father to us at CVM and you are to me and and we we had a really significant moment when we were doing our seminar, and we were doing it as a Q and A. These guys weren't preaching; they were just doing it as a real, honest Q and A. If you weren't here, you have to get it. I want to listen to Dave's one because I think his was better. Um, but I'd love, <laughs> I'd love these guys, I'd love these guys to pray over us, because I was saying, the, I was saying to Phil, you know. I was sitting asking questions and I kind of felt like, you know, I had, a, I had like a, a real great granda growing up. He wasn't really my granda. He was our next door neighbor, but we, we, we loved him like a granda. Have you ever had a, someone like that in your life? Yeah. And I just loved going into his house and just sitting there and listening, even as a kid. And I sensed that over these two guys as we were just sitting chatting that they have that grandfather heart for the church in Ireland, not just their own, but their church, the kingdom of God here in Ireland. And i just love them to pray over us and to commission us with the legacy that these guys are still building and continuing to build for a long, long time. (laughs) That they would bestow something on us and bless us.
2: Father, just thank you for this day. Thank you for our friend who just came to the front. What's his name? What's his
0: name? What's his name? David. Come on.
2: God, just thank you for David today. Thank you, Father, for kingdom. Thank you, Father, that there's nothing like it in this earth, because it's beyond this earth. And Father, we declare in the words of Jesus, when you pray, pray this way, your kingdom come and be on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we were reminded by Richard this morning in the seminar as we kicked off, that that's not going to happen just through simple prayers. It's going to happen when some people climb that mountain, catch heaven by the lapels, and pull it to earth. And God, I pray that the men in this room will be those men, will be those men who will dare to climb the mountain, grab heaven, and labor in prayer in such a way, God, that would pull heaven to earth. we reminded how uh, it says when Jesus had finished praying, the disciples said, Teach us to pray. Father, we note the correlation in that verse. When Jesus had finished praying, the disciples didn't say, Teach us how to do miracles, teach us how to raise the dead. They said, Teach us to do what you just done. Teach us to connect with the Father like you just done right now. And so, God, that's our heart. And so I pray. Uh, a prayer of energy I pray a prayer of divine unction over every man in this place right now I pray God a a liberty I pray a release in the Holy Ghost I pray God a moving like never before Lord I pray that they will go home from this day and they'll never be the same again never the same again I know David won't be So, God, I pray that for us all in Jesus' name. Father
1: God, we worship you. Lord Jesus, we love you with all our hearts. Holy Spirit, we are hungry for you and for what you can do in our lives for the glory of your name. We thank you for today. Bless you for all the stuff we've heard, all the conversations we've been a part of, all the opportunities that there's been to be quiet in ourselves and to listen to what it is that you're speaking into our lives. Lord, we pray for a deep sense of integrity and honesty as we leave, that all the kind of impressions that were formed on us and the things that we felt earlier today in different sessions, Lord, we pray that you would bring them to our mind by the power and work of your Holy Spirit. Help us to begin to live out of that reality instead of the reality from which we came here earlier today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that every time you looked at the world, what you saw was opportunity, white, white harvest fields. We're sorry, oh God, for how we get into a complaining state of mind. We look around us and we talk about negative things. We are depressed and discouraged at times, but that was not your way, and that is not the hope we have. And so, Lord, we're waiting on you and expecting you now to work in this generation and especially in the hearts of these men. Help us, Father, to be a permission-giving generation in leadership to encourage other people to step forward and to allow them the space to explore what God might be doing in their lives. And come, Lord, and touch your church at this time through ministries like the ministry that CVM supports amongst men, Lord, others working amongst women, others working amongst the young, others working amongst those in the community who never come to church others working in alpha courses and in other ways by which we start conversations about the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that after today there will be a new effectiveness, something different that we notice about the activities we have done before. Lord, open them up and bring your kingdom in through it
0: thanks for listening we hope that you've been blessed by today's teaching for more information on our ministry and everything that we do or get in contact head over to our website cvm.ie hope to see you soon